opposition. No more struggle. No more challenges. No more battle. Because there comes a time where you need to rest from your battle. And God said, after today, you shall rest from your battle. The battle of your marriage. The battle of your business. The battle of your finances. The battle of your sickness. The battle of your shame. The battle of your disgrace. The battle of your setback. The battle of the pains you don't want to forget. God said, you will rest from your battle. And now, today's message with God's servant, Reverend Ismaila Audu, head pastor, ICGC Yawa Temple, East Lagon. Under freedom, man now needs to exercise his right without anybody controlling him. And that is where the challenge is. But the only way you can be able to control your life without external influence is by information or knowledge. Because when you know what to do and how to do it, you can do it without anybody supervising you. Under salvation, which is the liberty in Christ, you have to do it without anyone's supervision. So that is why the Bible says that nobody now needs to teach you. It doesn't mean you don't need to hear the gospel. But what it simply means is that when it comes to what to do, it is always left to you to do it yourself. So if you choose to do it differently from what the word of God said, no problem. You will still work. But on the day, that is why there is accountability. On the day of accountability, you give stewardship of how you lived your life. Because he handed it over to you to do it. But if he controls you under the law, you are excused from accountability. Because I told you what to do, and you did it. When you give birth to a child, and you take care of that child, you pay for the child's fees and feed the child, the child is not independent. He's still under your control. So you can do whatever you like. But when you stop feeding him and he's feeding himself. When you are going to him, you have to tell him you are coming. It's the same thing with the difference between the law and grace. Under law, you are restricted. Under grace, you are free to do whatever you want to do. But remember, there is judgment. So Galatians chapter 2, that knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. A man is not justified by the works of the law because the law can make you frustrated. He said, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even when we believed in Christ, Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Paul is saying that when we look at the, the law, nobody can be justified. And you and I know how we struggle even to obey even our simple Ghana laws. Amen. So we cannot, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus, even when he believe in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. 17. So, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, which is by freedom, grace, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? It's certainly not. So like I said, if you are saved, you went to the school with the body regulations and you decided not to apply it. Does it mean that Agri Memorial or Achimota has failed? If your parents gave birth to you and they gave you the best of education, paid everything, and you decided to go dope yourself with we and live a, a reckless life and you were a school dropout, does it mean that your parents have failed? So he's saying that if Christ through his death for us has saved us from sin, and we still continue to live in sin. Does it mean that Christ is a sinner? 
Like some of us, when you do it, it's not me or your bonsam. Where is Mr. Bonsam way? You know it. You did it. You enjoyed it. It is not any bonsam. It's not a dev- the devil. Because under sin, your element and your members is controlled by you. How many of you here when you are going to sin, you don't know you are going to sin? So why then do you blame the devil and blame somebody? So under grace, you don't blame anybody. You take responsibility of your actions and you repent from them and become what God Christ wants from you. Simple. He said, for if I build again those things which are destroyed, if I build those things again, the sin I was living in, the bad lives and everything, now that I've gone out of the boarding school that I need to become a better person in society and I'm still behaving notoriously, which I destroy, I make myself a transgressor. And there are a lot of transgressors in the body of Christ. For I, through the Lord, died to the Lord, that I might live to God. Because the Lord reformed me and I became better. I went to jail, which is sin, condemned. And I, was, I came out of jail. So I need to become a better person because he's supposed to reform me. Now when I came out of jail, I became more notorious than before. So what is the essence of going to jail? Because the jail is supposed to become reformatory for me. But not to make me a hardened and a worse criminal. And now that I am here, I'm worse. When I was not born again, when I got born again, rather, I am worse. Because I think liberty, I can do anything at all I like. So does this serve a purpose? I've defeated a purpose. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. That means there is responsibility, accountability. So, under grace, you as a believer, you have a responsibility, a personal responsibility to God and to yourself and to your community. Take note. Under grace, you have a personal responsibility to God through Jesus Christ because he shed his blood for you. You respect that blood. You value that blood. So, the respect and the honor you give to that blood makes you not to sin. Because whenever you are going to sin, it reminds you. So you have that responsibility to Christ or to God. You have the responsibility towards your community. Because you now become the salt of the earth and the light of the world. People are looking up to you. So your deeds and your actions have to reflect Christ. It is not what you preach or say that makes men to follow. It is your deeds as well that will make men to also follow Christ. So that becomes a responsibility on your part. You are responsible also for the things you do. Amen. Because you give an account tomorrow about them. And because of that responsibility you have it places levels of accountability in your life. And the levels of accountability is what makes you to bring a check for you under grace. So though under grace, nobody is taking a whip to whip you in line, but by the reason of accountability and responsibility, you align to the things of God. So Paul is saying, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. So though I am Ismaila, my life should not be Ismaila again. I cannot say I will do what I like. Though nobody is forcing me to do what I like, under grace, I have to do not what I like. Reason being that I need to please somebody. And who should I please? I have to please my maker and my Lord. So even when no man is there, no man is watching, I have to ask that what I am doing, does it please God or does not please him? So I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So if Christ lives in me, it means that he's watching me. Hello? It's an invincible eye and an invincible control. 
I live in the flesh, I live by faith. Said, this end of life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, which means that though I don't see him physically, and in my loo or in my bedroom, he's not there physically, I have consciousness of him there. So that consciousness makes me to align by what he wants me to do to please him. Who loved me and gave himself for me. So for that love, I cannot betray it. And that is it. He said, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So under grace, I do the right thing. Not because physically somebody is policing me to do it. But I do it because I am not matured to know my left from my right. What is right and what is not right. So that is the express blessing of grace. The knowledge to know what I need to do. And I do it because I am a responsible citizen of heaven. So Bible says that we are ambassadors of the Lord. We are children of God. And if children, we are co-heirs of his promise. So I do it without anybody watching me. Because I am a responsible citizen. So I am not doing because I need a reward. I am doing because it's my lifestyle. So under grace, it becomes our lifestyle. Under law, we pretend. So when you live under law, it is pretense. You pretend to abide by the body rules, but that is not who you are. So grace is a serious issue. It's not for babies. It's for disciplined adults. Responsible kingdom citizens. The just shall live by faith. And that is salvation. But under grace, I do it because I want to do it. That is the two difference. Law says, I am doing it because they want me to do it. So three. Why you use the word 13 times in the book of Galatians 1? At the point, position of a Christian church, Galatians 1.22, the freedom the Christian has because of Christ, Galatians 2.4, the justification one receives through Christ. Three, the justification one receives through Christ. That is the Galatians chapter 2 verse 17. The justification one receives through Christ. And then four, the means by which one should live. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. The means by which one should live. All of these things I've shared with you. Number one, the position of of the church as far as being in Christ is concerned. Number two, the freedom of the Christian because of Christ. Number three, the justification one received through Christ. Number four, the means by which one should live. All of these can be found together in these scriptures. Write it down and read them. Galatians chapter 1 verse 16. Galatians 1 16. Galatians chapter 3 verse 14 to 26. And then you read Galatians 5 6. And then you read Galatians 5, 6 to 10, and Galatians 6, 14. Now, all these things would explain to you the four points I raised of being in Christ. Amen. So, we are looking at what it means to live by faith. That's what we are looking at now. The idea that we live by faith focuses on the present aspect of the Christian identity in Christ. The present Christian identity in Christ positional where we are now the idea that we live by faith focuses on the present aspect of the christian identity in christ and you can find that in galatians chapter 2 verse 20 i've been crucified with christ so that is my present position you have been crucified with christ that is your present aspect 
So presently, though you are John or Paul or Stephen or whatever or Martha, you are crucified with Christ. So it is no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you. So if we all see that it is no longer as though we have come here from our individual homes, but Christ is the one in us. Okay, we will relate with ourselves that way as Christians. And we will behave as such. And that is what Paul is saying, that the idea that we live by faith focuses, the idea of living on faith focuses on the present aspect of our Christian identity in Christ. That we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for Christ. Paul utilized the phrase in the body, pointing specifically to the physical life of the Christian. To the physical life of the Christian. As lived now. As we live it now. Not tomorrow. As we live it now. Our daily life. In the office. In the house. In the community. As we live it now. As we live it now. So the question is that. Are we living it now? In our offices? Are we, are we faithful? When they leave things for us. And they are not policing us. Do we do contrary to what it is? Are we committed in our community, in our family life, in our everyday life, in our society life, what exactly are we pointing out? Point at the phrase in the body, pointing specifically to the physical life of the Christian as lived now. Living by faith is an act that takes place while the Christian is alive on the earth. While the Christian is alive, not when you go to heaven. You and I, our work of faith and live of faith in Christ now should be here. So, like I said, people need to look at us and be able to give thanks to God about our life. But they shouldn't look at us and say, if it is because of you that I need to be a Christian, immediately that happens, it means that we have crucified Christ again. We have shamed the cross. We have defiled the gospel. But when one looks at you and said, I thank God for your life. And because of you, I will serve the Lord. And I will live for the Lord. Instantly, we make Christ alive again. And the essence of the cross, relevant to our community and to our society. So, if we will live Christ-like, our nations, where Christianity dominates, our land and our nation will be better. Because positionally, by faith, we have the identity of Christ. The church will be devoid of antagonism. Will be devoid of infighting. Will be devoid of, of, of gossip. Will be devoid of dissensions and things of the flesh. Because I see my brother, I see my sister in Christ as one. So living by faith is an act that takes place while the Christian is alive on earth. This idea of presently being in Christ is critical to live in by faith. What does he mean? To live by faith. That's what I'm looking at. Are you being blessed this morning? What is the object of the faith by which one should live? So you ask. So what is the object of the faith by which one should live? And this you find still in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Where Paul says, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. The object of the belief, trust, or faith by which the Christian is to live is Jesus Christ. 
the object of our faith by which you and I should live is Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ is our standard, not the name of your church, not the title and the name of your pastor or your father, but Jesus is the standard. So Paul was at Mosity was said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So the measuring rule is Jesus Christ. That is why if you are a believer, if you don't read at all, you have to read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Because in the Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, everything about Jesus is recorded. Make it a habit and read it. And then if you want to understand the dispensation of the church, read the book of Acts. Because that is what birthed the church. Before you come to the Pauline writings, that is the writings of Paul. The Galatians, the Corinthians, the Ephesians, and all that, that you can read them. But primarily, make sure you read the Gospels. Because Jesus is our standard. No, if you are following somebody, you should know the person, is that not it? If you don't know your boss, you cannot serve your boss well. So practically, those who really go through management, there is something you learn about knowing your boss. You sometimes have to know about the temperament to be able to work with him. So if you want to please God, to Jesus as our standard, we need to study about him to be able to have that standard. So that is the essence of our object of faith. So the object, object simply means something you are looking up to. So what we are looking up to is Jesus. And looking up to Jesus is our object of faith. So it is in Jesus that our faith is anchored. So if it's in Jesus that my faith is anchored, then I should know more about him. Don't you agree? To live by faith is to live trusting Jesus. So to live by faith is to live trusting Jesus. Who loved us to the point of dying in our place? Who loved us to the point of dying in our place? John 3, 16 and 17, you know, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the 17 verse tells us, he said that, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that through him, the world might be saved. When we receive Christ, we are not condemned. Because it's our standard. But when we don't receive him, automatically, we should get ready that we are already condemned. So Christ becomes our standard. Who died on the cross for us. Purchasing our salvation. This trust should be a constant throughout the life of the believer. Our trust in Jesus should be a constant feature. Throughout our work with him. Throughout our working. The challenge we are facing in Christianity is that we have shifted from our object of faith. And we are looking at the object of materialism. So, by shifting from the object of faith, which is Jesus being our standard to help us to grow, to mature, to become. When we shifted to the object of materialism, evil set in, wickedness set in. Lying, cheat. Deceit, distraction, envy, jealousy. So it becomes a problem. It makes the world a bad place. But Jesus is supposed to be the standard, the object of it. While we look up to him, seek ye the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and all other things shall be added. Anything you need shall be added. But here we are now. We are worshiping the good. Three levels of Jesus' temptation. Give me the book of Luke chapter number four. Let me show you something. Said that Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led 
by the spirit into the wilderness. Look at it. He said, being tempted 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was angry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread, but every word of God. So how did Jesus overcome the temptation of he turning the stones into bread? Oh, answer me. How? It's by the word. Is it not by the word? So if Jesus should be the object of our faith and the standard, how can we overcome the, the devil's temptation? It's the word. So here you are, you don't have the word in you. If he, who is our standard, could overcome, the devil is not, does not respect him and he came to tempt him, knock at his door. And he used the word. And you think you will not study the word. And when he knocks at your door, you can face him. Let's go on to the next one. Five. Then the devil took him up on a high mountain. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time. The pleasures of the world. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I'll give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Look at what he said. said and Jesus answered and said to you, get behind Satan for it is written. The temptation of the pleasures of the world. The enjoyment. 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 I go kill you with enjoyment. All of it was handed over to him. The only way he could say no is not to close his eyes or to be stiff and rigid. He said, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you worship. If he didn't read it from scripture to know that God is the only one to worship, he would have bowed down to the devil to worship him. Because who does he want to enjoy? Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. In all of this, Jesus knows his identity because it was written. If you don't know who you are, everybody will tell you what to do. And you will do it. Because you don't have a mind of your own. It is sad for you to live in this, on this earth and you don't have a mind of your own. Or to live trying to please everybody. When you even know you are not happy. And pretend pleasing. He said, for it is written. You always want to be seen as Madam Nice, Mr. Nice. Continue Madam Nice, Mr. Nice. Jesus was not Mr. Nice and Madam Nice. He has a standard. And that is what you should follow. He speaks it because it is written. He said, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, the devil is also quoting scripture. So, if you don't know the scriptures, and the devil is also quoting scripture to you, how can you differentiate? Do you know that to know the counterfeit, you first have to know the original? And here you are, you don't know the original. How can you differentiate between the counterfeit? Do you know a counterfeit dollar and an original dollar looks the same? But the, the difference is known by somebody when they hold it, they know how to do it, or you detect under a machine. 
So the devil, a counterfeit can sit among us. We can only know the original. When we can only know the counterfeit when we have the original. And what is the original? The originality is Jesus Christ and the Spirit of Christ. It is by that we can discern who truly is sitting among us as a Christian or a wolf in sheep clothing. So Bible says that we know no man now after the flesh, but we know men by their spirit. So he said, and Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He also used the right word to counter the false word. Though it was scriptural, the devil quoted Psalm 91. He quoted scripture. But you see, for somebody quoting scripture does not mean the person is a believer. For I'm only telling you that says the Lord does not mean that God really said it. In the book of Judges, he spoke of a young prophet that God sent to go and do a miracle in Bethel. He came from Bethel and went there. He got there. The kid was misbehaving. So God has a challenge with the kid. And when he got there, he told him, listen, from today, this place you shall no more worship. God shall do a sign here. And then the altar shall be split into the altar was split into the ashes poured down. There was great sign. The king got angry, stretched his hand to hit the prophet. His arm withered, shrinked, powerful. Then children of an old prophet were there. Went to tell the father that he was supposed to be there. God showed up today. Greater something happened. So I said it was a young prophet that came from Bethel. He came to make the king small. The father got jealous, mounted his camel. He came, met the young prophet. The instruction to the young prophet is that from God is that he heard from God. He didn't hear from man. Don't eat in this place. Don't drink there. Don't sleep there. When you finish your assignment, go other way and leave. The old prophet met him and said, Young prophet, say, Yeah. He said, Bro, the Lord has also sent me to you. Get to my house and go and wash down. Eat something today. You preach powerfully. You did powerful things. The young prophet said, Oh, thank you. But the Lord told me that when I finish, I should go this way and not be here. He said, Me too, God. I am an old prophet. Me too. God spoke to me and told me, As for me, you can eat in my house and bath in my house and leave my house. The young prophet received the word from God. God was his standard. But at this time, he was looking at man. And he listened to what the old prophet said. He walked with the old prophet to his house. Whilst he was eating with the old prophet and drinking with the old prophet, then the word of the Lord came. Now, God now officially spoke to the old prophet to tell the young prophet that for his disobedience of not heeding to his word, when he leaves that place, he will die. Lions will devour him and he will die on the way. Truly, when a young prophet left there, on the way, lions devoured him and he died. Reason being that he listened to the voice of man at the expense of the voice of God. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. In this life, you need to hear for yourself. Because there are so many voices that will speak to you. The devil's voice was clear through scripture. You see, by saying, by me too, I go to, I mean, I'm a Christian. Me too, I'm a, I, I go to church. Ah, me too, I, I, I fast and pray. But this one, Charlie, is not be church matter. Ah, you, Charlie, make your wake at Dokra. You for shine up. Shine your face. Even pastor, even pastors cry, they do it. I know the man in the corner there. You know, you know they put candles on it. Charlie, it will they pray, will they pray. 
it is some small thing. And then you go. Before you know, some small thing. Some small thing. You start doing what some small thing can make you do. You've gone. So ask somebody, who are you hearing? So Jesus is our standard. He didn't hear the voice of the Lord. He heard from the voice of scripture. Because everything is subjected to the word of God. If the word of God is contrary to what God is telling you, don't do it. It doesn't matter how nice or good it shall look. Because sin can be packaged to look attractive. Oh, tell somebody that says sin can be packaged to look attractive. God bless you. Thank you very much for listening. This is a message from ICGC Our Temple East Lagon. We know you've been blessed by God's Word. For more practical teachings from Reverend Ismaila Awudu, visit us online at www.icgceastlagon.com or email yawatempleicgc at gmail.com. Call us on 0572-260-434 or 0572-260-435. You can also worship with us on Sundays for maximum life service from 9 a.m., Wednesdays for master class service from 6 p.m., and Fridays breakthrough service from 6 p.m. Mm, with you, I can hold on.